0: This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available, along with more downloads, at our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk.
1: Good afternoon everyone. I want you to, uh, <clears throat> if you will, to think back over the last year and think about some of the changes that we've seen in our world. I guess that's the, uh, the, perhaps the biggest change that we've uh, experienced, it's not a lot is it, one bloke takes over from another bloke, um, but the impact of course in the last few months of having Donald Trump as President of the US has been quite astounding hasn't it, on the world stage. Whether you like him or not or whether you agree with what he does or not. Um, he's brought about quite a bit of change and provoked quite a lot of change. Um, In the last 12 months, we've seen um, quite a bit of change in the ongoing war with ISIS. So from having two years, really, where they were unstoppable, um, the last 12 months has seen the world push back in different ways against ISIS and that the war has has, uh, sort of squeezed them more and more. Um, And yet, I, I guess... What we've seen with, with a, a group like ISIS is just how easily things can change, uh, in, particularly in that part of the world, where out of nowhere came this group and, and ran riot, uh, took over huge swathes in the Middle East, and it's taken an awful lot of fighting and bloodshed and world power to actually bring things uh, back under control again. And a lot of that has happened in the last 12 months. Um, last summer, we saw a coup attempt In Turkey. Uh, It was one that failed, and the last 12 months we've seen really the the fallout from that event, where Turkey, which uh, very much used to pride itself on being a secular state, has moved more and more back to becoming a religious state again. Uh, That's its president's aim, and he has a lot of backing in that, which is why the coup failed, of course. Um, But it means that one of the biggest, the biggest nation in the Middle East, has been changing its uh, its personality, you might call it, over the last twelve months, and that's making the Middle East bit by bit into a different place altogether. And we've seen this, haven't we? We've seen a different sort of terrorism take hold in the last twelve months, and it's in places like Nice, um, remember, along the seafront there, in Manchester. Um, in London, Berlin, Barcelona, Jerusalem as well what we've seen is, is not just a continuation of the kind of terrorism we were used to with people blowing themselves up but we've seen a new kind haven't we come on the scene the sort that is just somebody driving a van or a lorry and that's all it takes isn't it for all of a sudden there to be dozens of casualties from that kind of terrorism that's, that's changed the world as well because now, you know, you go and walk out in the street and you, you don't know what's going to happen, do you? Because all it takes is somebody with a, with a crazy mind to, uh, to mount the curb. And, and all of a sudden, there's another terrorism, isn't it? It doesn't need people who have to learn how to make bombs um, or, or, or operate in secret cells. You know, it just somebody takes it into their mind to support their view of the world in a lorry. And, uh, and that's, what, that's what we've seen. A very scary sort of world to live in is, is, I guess, the point I'm trying to get across. And, of course, a very sc- scary world to live in uh, is not made any easier with a crazy guy like this. And the war of words and of missiles and of tests that we've seen, especially in the last few months. And I guess we sort of wait, don't we, every day almost now to say, well, wh- what's the next thing this man is going to do? And what's the next thing that the U.S., and other nations are going to respond with and that that doesn't seem to be going away at the moment at all does it and if that weren't enough um, then just this last few weeks maybe the last two months have uh, shown us that, that the world is very much at the mercy of natural disasters um, I can't even remember which two those are I think uh, I think the, those are both Hurricane Irma but, uh, but in the space of just a few weeks, we saw three devastating hurricanes, didn't we? Um, absolutely wiping out uh, whole, uh, whole rafts of civilization uh, across first America and then the Caribbean. Th- these are the sort of things that you and I have seen. If you just kind of try and cast your mind back 12 months and say, well, you know, how's the world changed in the last year? Well, that's, that's how it's changed. That's what we've seen. And... It kind of leaves you and me, if we're not careful, it leaves us with a real feeling of uncertainty. That's, that's what it does. It, it leaves us saying, well, what next? You know, what, what will affect you and me? You know, if somebody can walk into an arena in Manchester and blow themselves up, if somebody can drive a, a van along the pavement in, a, in London and do so much damage, what could they do in, in any part of, of our lives? in our part of the world. It's the uncertainty that I think seems to to shock people most of all. And yet it's exactly what the Bible predicted. This this is the exactly the kind of thing that the Bible has been saying we would live through. And that's where I want to have our reading, not quite halfway through, uh, I'm afraid, Andrew. Uh, But we're going to read a few verses from what Jesus says in Luke chapter 21. Because Jesus paints the picture of the kind of society that we live in now. We're going to read Luke 21 and Andrew will read for us from verse 20 through to verse 28, please.
0: Luke chapter 21, verses 20 through to 28. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let not them that are in the countries enter therein into. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be, may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into the nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken and then shall they see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory and these things begin to come to pass sorry and when these things to be- and when these things begin to come to pass then look up and lift up your head for your redemption draweth nigh
1: lovely thanks very much Andrew you you see the the point that Jesus is making there just to, for the moment just took away in your minds the things that Jesus says in the first of those verses we read about about bad things happening to Jerusalem and everything written being fulfilled very often we look we look at those verses and we we see those words of Jesus being fulfilled in the first century when Jerusalem fell to the Romans and that and that's absolutely right but Just think about the fact there that Jesus said actually everything will be fulfilled when this happens. But it's the the latter verses that I find most interesting because Jesus talks there about a world really in turmoil, a world living with uncertainty. He says, doesn't he, that men's hearts would be failing them for fear and the expectation of those things coming on the earth. Actually, that's what makes people afraid, isn't it? It's not knowing what's coming. Uncertainty. Is, is the thing that causes more stress and anxiety than anything else because you don't know what, what you have to prepare yourself for. And Jesus is saying this is the kind of, of society that people will live through. You know, this, this is where the Bible's in the news then, isn't it? Because what, what Jesus there was predicting is what we see in our news happening in front of our eyes today. But the, the, the good thing about that is that because it's fulfilling what Jesus says, we can can see, like Andrew said in his prayer, we can see that God is in control of these events. And, And that's where the good news really is, because the important bit in everything Jesus says here is this. He says, when you see these things, well, that's when the Son of Man will be coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So the very events that scare people and leave us with uncertainty, not knowing what's going to happen next actually is telling us what will happen next, that soon Jesus will come back and set up God's kingdom on the earth. Right, okay, that's that's the start, and I've given you a sort of a big picture view of the world, uh, but I'm going to um, to focus in a little bit more now, because whilst Jesus gave these sort of quite general pictures of, of things going on on the planet... A lot of Bible prophecy focuses focuses in a lot closer than that. And it focuses in very specifically on Israel, God's people, God's land, and the things that will happen there. So I want to uh, take you back to the Old Testament, to the end of the Old Testament, and the prophecy of Zechariah. And just pick up a few verses over the space of three chapters in Zechariah. That give us a picture of things happening in Israel and most particularly in Jerusalem. You remember Jesus spoke about Jerusalem and the things that would happen there. Well, much of what Jesus said in Luke 21 about Jerusalem is actually talked about here as well in the prophet Zechariah. Um, And we're going to start in at chapter 12 about some trouble centered on Jerusalem. Look at chapter 12 and verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord against Israel. Thus says the Lord who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces. Though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. Just to think of what Jesus—not uh, Jesus—what the prophet Zechariah says there. He says Jerusalem is a centre of conflict. Here is a place where I am going to gather all nations against it. Nations will besiege Judah, which is, if you like, the southern half of Israel, and Jerusalem. He says, all nations will be gathered against it. So there's a, there's a, a warfare here that the prophet speaks about. That, uh, well, if I was living in Israel, would make me very afraid. Because it, it's, it's something we've yet to see come about. And do you notice there's an image there in those verses of, of everybody actually wanting Jerusalem. He says, everybody, it's like a big stone. Everybody wants to pick it up and, and take it away for themselves. Everybody who picks it up ends up with their, their hands shredded because it cuts them. It's, a, it's a more trouble than it's worth, you might say. And the prophet's saying that's what Jerusalem's going to be like, more trouble than it's worth. But everybody, nevertheless, will be there fighting against it. What would happen if you had every, every nation in one form or another fighting against Israel at Jerusalem? well more detail is given two chapters on in chapter 14 because the prophet there goes again focuses in even closer now says okay you've got a siege of jerusalem all nations let's see what happens verse 1 of chapter 14 says behold the day of the lord is coming and your spoil will be divided in your midst for i will gather all the nations to battle against jerusalem the city shall be taken the houses rifled and the women ravished half of the city shall go into captivity but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city well that in some ways no surprise there if Zechariah's already said I'm bringing everybody against Jerusalem well we might expect that the city would fall and and it will but Zechariah says actually the very worst atrocities of war that we've seen that's what we're going to see at that time in Jerusalem And we'll end up with half the city going into captivity. Actually, if you go back a page, the the previous chapter ends with more prophecy about this this same period of time. Where in verse 8 of chapter 13, we're actually told, It shall come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left in it. I'll bring the one-third through the fire, we'll refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested two thirds of the people in the land of Israel dying I think the population of Israel is something like 8 million now so you're talking there about the number of people dying in the land pretty much as died in the holocaust certainly if it's it's Jews who are perishing here so, so however bad things are in the world actually this is going to be probably the worst event that the world will ever see certainly in, in, you know concentrated in, in one place it will be quite shocking and yet it's this very tragedy that the prophet talks about that will bring the deliverance that, uh, that the Bible also promises because did you notice that in, uh, in verse 9 this w- only third of the people left in the land of Israel will be brought by God through the fire God will refine them as silver is refined and test them as, go- as gold is tested they will call on my name and I will answer them I will say this is my people and each one will say the Lord is my God and what you've got there is, is that the people left put through the ringer Will, will eventually turn to God and God says when they do that I will save them out of their troubles and actually as we go into chapter 14 now God tells them about how he will save them it reminds us of the, the city being taken but then in verse 3 when people have gone into captivity it says then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. So so God says, when these troubles hit Israel and things seem to be completely lost for them, then I'm going to deliver them. I'll save my people. And you know, when it talks there about his feet standing on the Mount of Olives we can go to our New Testament and realize that it's talking about the feet of none other than Jesus Christ this is God sending him back again to deliver Israel from their enemies this this actually if you think about it all these things we've read in Zechariah correspond to what we read in Luke's gospel The things that Jesus spoke about. Jesus spoke about trouble and anxiety and perplexity worldwide but he also spoke about destruction in Jerusalem didn't he? And and about the the people being led away captive. So although that was fulfilled in the first century it looks as though all those words of Jesus will be fulfilled again now in this era that you and I are living through when we see all the troubles going on all over the world and it's this this distress particularly for God's people that ultimately brings about their salvation it's in a way here what, what I'm doing by by telling you the things that the prophet Zechariah has to talk about is I'm, I'm telling you what some of tomorrow's headlines are going to be you know this all nations against Jerusalem and being besieged and the city being taken that that is those are headlines we've not seen yet have we in the news but they're coming i suppose what we might ask is well you know it is a crazy old world but how how is that set of headlines going to come about you know if you think of a think of the way that the the world is skirting around the north korea problem that's what we try to do, isn't it, as a world? We try and sort of say, you know, we don't like you and they, you don't like us, but we're going to try not to get into this sort of war. How will it end up with every nation against Israel going to war with them? Well, um, this, is, this is sort of more recent news then, I guess. Uh, and you may or may not be aware of it. This is the sort of thing I pick up on my news feed because I, I get... Um, I get Israeli news in, in my, my news feed. But what we see on a global scale now is a very slowly but steadily growing anti-Semitism. And it comes out in the most unusual of ways. So, for example, UNESCO um, have, have sort of passed a resolution about Jerusalem. It's a resolution that's ju- about the, the sort of UNESCO heritage sites in Jerusalem, which are, guess what, um, what we would call Temple Mount um, that's a, that's a UNESCO labelled heritage site but in, in this resolution that's been passed by UNESCO they only refer to it by its Arabic name I think it's Halam al-Sharif um, because of course it's a, it's a Muslim holy place it's got the Al-Aqsa Mosque and it's got the Dome of the Rock and, and they, they completely omit any reference to any Jewish history of Temple Mount we call it Temple Mount because it's where the Jewish temple was, the place where the God of Israel was worshipped, and that's that's gone. Now that's a that you could say that you know that's such a small thing. That's just what this one world body happens to talk about this place as being. You know, it would be like uh, people insisting that where we live is crew, rather than rope. You know, and us taking offence at that. But it's a. Uh, it's a bigger deal it's bigger deal if you're a jew but it's a bigger deal in just in the in the sort of attitude it shows an attitude that's slowly changing against israel israel has has gone um gone off on one about this and say you know this is outrageous that you've sort of wiped out 1500 years of jewish history of having a a temple on the mountain there or, or however long um and it's just been ignored, but it shows that world, world opinions about Israel are changing bit by bit. Well, that's something that, that uh, you, you can see that that's about Jerusalem, isn't it? Jerusalem's this heavy stone that everybody wants a part of, uh, and maybe doesn't want Israel to have a part of. Here's something else that you might be um, aware of, and again, is a growing movement, and it's not local, it's global. It's called BDS. And it means boycott, divestment, sanctions. And essentially, it's groups of people who support the Palestinian cause. And because they support the Palestinian cause, essentially say, well, Israel is operating an apartheid situation, just like South Africa did. um, And therefore, we are going to uh, protest against that. And it's happening in little ways, but growing bit by bit globally. So it might be that you're, um, you're in, I don't know, Poland and you have, you're a Jew and you have a little shop, just a standard business, and people rock up and protest outside your shop because you're a Jewish business and you import some of your products from Israel. And Israel is this apartheid oppressor of the Palestinians. Bear in mind, I'm not. I'm not getting into any of the politics of this. Whether you, whether you think it's right, wrong, or or both sides to blame, it's the, it's what's changing in people's perceptions because you know that little Jewish business is now closed down, and the people have had to shut up shop because they can't operate against protests. Um, one of one of the global businesses, SodaStream, has been in awful trouble um, because of products that they buy from Israel or that that they manufacture there and this movement has, has put pressure on them because of their link to Israel. And and you know you can see the sort of uh see the kind of notice boards that there are there when these protests happen. You know, little by little the individuals, organisations, and well, individuals make up nations, don't they? So ultimately nations are being turned against the, the people of Israel. What I think is, is quite um, scary about this is that when you look at it, it's these same sort of little steps that began the Holocaust. And if you look back at what was going on in Germany um, before the war, when Hitler was on the rise, it was small things that, that were turned against the Jews in that country, first of all, that led to eventually six million dying And that's that's what we see in the world. If you look at the the small things they're growing bit by bit, this is this is where we can begin to perhaps understand what God means when God says, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle And we might say, What what all nations? You know, why why would Argentina get involved? Why would Vietnam get involved? But actually, this, this turning against Israel is something that's happening at grassroots level the world over. And it's grassroots people, isn't it, that are the ones who put pressure on their governments to, to act in particular ways. Just to give you some idea of the, the fragility of the situation in Jerusalem and why Jerusalem is such a big deal. Um, just think about this situation. This, this happened over the summer, didn't it? July the 14th, three Arab Israelis entered Temple Mount, went into the compound, picked up some weapons inside the compound, came out and shot dead two Israeli police officers. What would you do? Well, the uh, the Israeli authorities did, I guess, what we might expect to happen if it was here. Um, they closed off the Temple Mount area initially. They said, "That's it. We're stopping anybody going in for now." So the Muslim compound, the Al-Aqsa mosque and the Dome of the Rock were closed. A week later they were reopened um, but by then the, the Israeli authorities had put metal detectors and some security cameras in place. So anybody wanting to enter Temple Mount compound had to go through this, uh, this extra security uh, arrangement. Now I guess you and I could understand that because that's what we do isn't it? You know when, when somebody tried to Uh, drive a jeep into Glasgow airport as a result of that every airport in the UK now has a a barrier around it doesn't it, all these big concrete blocks you can't pull up in front anymore we have loads of extra um, metal detectors now wherever you go where there's there's deemed to be a security threat, not in Israel though the the unrest that that sparked off was immense so first of all the Palestinians who would normally go to the, the Dome of the Rock for prayers stopped going they said, we're not, we're not going through that barrier. You've altered the status quo. This is the thing they have, the status quo. We're not getting anywhere near it. And so for the, for the next two weeks, they prayed outside the compound. But all the time, demonstrations against this grew. And not just locally not just the Palestinians who would normally go up to, the temple, to uh, the temple Mount to pray in Jerusalem, but all over the world you began to get unrest in Islamic or um, Arabic uh, communities protesting against what the Israeli government had inflicted there in Jerusalem. And remember, what we're talking about here is a bunch of metal detectors to try and stop people killing other people. So to what to you and me might seem, well, that's just a common sense. You know, people would accept that, wouldn't they? It caused such a stink and was growing so much over those, those two weeks in the summer that in the end the president of the US had to get involved and even surprisingly the king of Saudi Arabia because he was getting demonstrations in his own country and say to the Israeli prime minister, I know you've dug your feet in, I know you've said they're there to stay but this is just going to spiral out of control if you don't remove the metal detectors when did it happen? 25th of July, 11 days later, the, uh, the metal detectors went. And then on the 27th, the Palestinians returned to pray. Interesting to look at some of the, uh, the news headlines from then. Um, this, this one in front of the image there. A major uprising in Jerusalem and beyond is just a few missteps away. The last thing the Middle East needs is a major conflagration in Israel-Palestine. But a summer crisis in Jerusalem made it clear that in the right circumstances, it really could happen. And actually in the same article, uh, Haram al-Sharif or Temple Mount has been called the single most explosive piece of real estate on the planet. I thought it was really interesting because that's not a Bible. Well, I assume the journalist isn't a Bible reader. That's just a journalist comment to say this is how fragile this place is. Something that seems so small as blew up into something so big and, and had such a, a dangerous potential impact. Now you see that, you know, that this is the kind of event in the news that for me is, is edging us bit by bit towards what the Bible talks about happening. Just a, if you're still in your Old Testament, go back a few books to the, to the prophecy of Joel. Um, the prophecy of Joel in chapter three, because you know, you might say, well, you've you know, seen all these these little things that are building and causing such tension over what we might think of as not a big deal, but clearly is a massive deal for for many many millions of people across the world. Well, Joel he also prophesies like Zechariah about the sort of events that will take place at Jerusalem. Let's have a look at uh, Joel's words in verse 9 Joel says proclaim this among the nations prepare for war wake up the mighty men let all the men of war draw near let them come up beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears let the weak say I am strong assemble and come all you nations and gather together all around cause your mighty ones to go down there O Lord Let the nations be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, go down, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon will grow dark and the stars will diminish their brightness that's interesting actually isn't it that that very last phrase there about where it talks about the sun and the moon and the stars being affected that's like what the Lord Jesus said wasn't it that very first chapter we looked at in Luke had about signs in the sun moon and stars that tells us that it's probably talking about the same series of events taking place well Joel calls this the day of the Lord the day of the Lord is near and he says nations will be preparing for war did you notice in verse 9 my version said prepare for war yours might say sanctify war because that's what it means it means make holy war or make war holy well we kind of we all understand that sort of terminology because that's a that's a terminology of our era as well isn't it The idea of of making holy war. And these nations, again, they're being gathered by God. He says, I'm going to gather them all together, bring them to the place where I will judge them. He calls it the valley of decision, because God will make a decision there. He calls it the valley of Jehoshaphat, which means uh, the Lord's judgment, or the Lord is judge. Because that's where God says he's going to judge the nations. And the whole language of this this passage in Joel is very much like, like Zechariah. All the nations brought together. It's like what Jesus said in uh, Luke 21. But notice verse 16. The Lord also will roar from Zion. And utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and the earth will shake. But the Lord will be a shelter for his people. And the strength of the children of Israel. And that's the good bit again. Just like the end of Jesus's prophecy in Luke just like the end of the prophecy in Zechariah where God steps in so again here God says you know when I bring all these nations together and it's Jerusalem I bring them to then I will save my people and and will deliver them from their enemies I suppose the question that has to be asked doesn't it you know where where do you and I fit into all this We're a long way from Jerusalem. Um, I don't know if any of you have Jewish blood, but uh, this all seems to be about Jews, doesn't it? Here, well, I guess in in the first instance, our our news headlines are telling us what the Bible's foretelling, aren't they? That what we see on the news each day is saying to us, you know, God is in control and God is working His way towards His ultimate fulfillment of purpose. And, and so the Bible's telling us what the next set of headlines are going to be as well. We can see what's coming next and we can, if we look, we can see the way that things are building up. And we know that this is leading to the return of Jesus. But the point is, Jesus isn't just coming back to deliver Israel. It's wonderful that he is going to deliver Israel. When you think of what they're going to go through. But he's coming back as well to bring salvation to everybody who follows Jesus Christ faithfully. This is what uh, the writer says in Hebrews about the, the whole work of Jesus. It's beginning and if you like it's end as well. He says Christ does not enter the holy places made with hands which are copies of the true. But into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the end of the ages, he's appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it's appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Look at that. It wraps up in, a, in just in one, uh, no, four verses. The whole work of Jesus, that he came to die for sins, for you and me. And if we're looking forward to it, because we're his followers, he's going to come back again to bring salvation to you and me as well. I hope that uh, our little time this afternoon has helped uh, help you to start to, to look at the world and the things going on in the world in just a slightly different light. You know that they, when you see the news, it feels like the world's completely spiralling out of control, but it isn't. We, we see Israel slowly but surely being isolated; that their enemies, bit by bit, are becoming more and more aggressive towards them. But but we can see in this that God is absolutely at work. That he's behind all this. Because what the Bible foretells from God is what we are seeing coming true. And actually this this should be a motivation to you and me. If we can see God's purpose coming to its conclusion, then you and I need to get on. We need to act. We need to do something in our lives. uh, Because God's offering us salvation, if we will take hold of it, in his future kingdom so that the sort of events that we see happening in the world where the bible is telling us and then we see it in the news shouldn't be something that brings us despair it actually should be something that brings us hope because remember what jesus said he said you know men's hearts will be failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near.
0: We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, Christadelphians.org.uk